0: why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word, and my life will never be the same, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by... The word of God. God. Amen. Amen. We're still continuing to talk about how to live victoriously. How? By faith. Amen. Amen. We discovered in 1 John chapter number 5 verse 4 in the original King James Bible that the apostle John writing said, he declared actually, and he said, this is the victory that overcomes the world. And he tells us what that victory is. He says, our faith. Amen? And if you read the same scripture, 1 John 5, uh, verse 4 in the New Living Translation. uh, 1 John, chapter number 5, verse 4 in the New Living Translation. It says something interesting. It says, for every. Someone say, every. Notice, this is not for the chosen few. In the kingdom of God, it's for every single child of God. He says, for every child of God defeats this evil world or the evil world system. That's coming to steal, to kill, and to destroy everything that has to do with you and what Jesus has already blessed you with. Amen? He says, you have the potential, you have the power on the inside of you to defeat this evil world. And he tells you how you achieve this victory. He says we achieve this victory through our faith. It is as a boxer who's getting ready to go for a fight. And he has, you know, a, a, a longer wingspan than his opponent. You know, the coach would usually say this. Man, when you get in there, the victory that is going to be delivered to you is going to come through the jab. So if the boxer goes into the ring and he tries to use the uppercut, he may not achieve this victory because his advantage point is the jab because of his wingspan. Now for you and me, the spiritual jab that God has given us is our faith. Yeah, amen. He says as long as you use the jab, That's good. you're going to win this fight. Now people want to create their own things in the kingdom of God. God <laughs> is saying use the jab, they want to use the kick say, no, Lord, I don't want to do it by faith. I want to do it by magic. I want to do it by the pastor laying his hands on me and then supernaturally victory gets on me and I start winning everywhere. No, that's not how it works. The Bible says this victory is through our faith. So you're going to have to learn how to use the jab. You're going to have to learn how to use the spiritual jab, which is your faith. Amen? You're going to have to learn how to understand how faith works and tap into it so you can start winning in all the areas of your life. Amen? It says in 1 John 5 verse 4 in the Message Bible, I want you to see it from all the different points. In the Message Bible, this is what it says. It says, Every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. The conquering power that brings poverty to its knees is what? Our faith. The conquering power that brings sickness to its knees is our faith. So you're going to have to learn. Man, faith is precious. We read last week in 2 Peter 1 verse 1, the apostle Peter writing said, we have obtained like precious faith. Faith is precious because it is our currency in the kingdom of God. It is our victory in the kingdom of God. Amen? It is our response to God's finished work on the cross. So faith is precious. You're going to have to learn how to live by faith. In fact, uh, Romans 1, 16 to 17 says, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation that word salvation in the greek soterio which means the gospel is the power of god unto healing it is the power of god unto provision it is the power of god unto protection it is the power of god unto everything that you'll ever need going to heaven is a part of that too but that's not all there is to it yeah, amen. That's right. see if you got born again just to go to heaven and miss hell your salvation is more of a fire insurance Not in the fullness of what he paid for. Because Jesus redeemed you from sickness. And that's what the word salvation means. It means to be healed. It means to live your life in a place of divine health. Amen? I said amen. amen. And he goes on to say, after he said, this is the power of God unto salvation. He says, for therein, verse 17 of uh, Romans chapter number 1. He says, therein, therein the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Again, he tells us, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just live by faith. Faith becomes a way of life. Not something that we run to when we are in trouble. Faith becomes the way you and I live. Faith becomes our sustenance. I know I'm going ahead of myself, but I may as well throw it in here. Jesus was approached by the devil in the wilderness while fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And the first temptation he ever received was, can you turn these stones into bread? And what did Jesus say? He said, man shall not live on bread. Bread." Bread. Or bruvos, alone. (laughs) Or nando's. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now how does faith come? Romans 10:17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you feed your faith by what you hear, or you feed your doubts by what you hear, or unfaith. Whatever you feed your ears is what you will receive. Amen. So how do we get sustenance for us to function in this place of faith? We receive the word of God. The word of God is our sustenance. That's why church, the church has to be lean. What I mean by that is we have to make the main thing the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. And, you know, that's, this is why in this church, we just, you know, you come in here, you know exactly what's going to happen. We're going to worship God, and we're going to teach the word. There's no extra. We don't need extra armor bearers and extra action to make you feel like we have the power of God. Because it's the word of God that will transform people's lives. You don't need the extra stuff. Sometimes the church, it frustrates me because we measure in the minors. Yeah. The Bible has a lot to say about honor, but that's not the majority of the gospel. That's a by the way. I will never have a series about that because it's not going to transform anyone's life. But we major in that. And it's a sad reality. People focus on that without focusing on how to live by faith. Man, people come into church buildings and they, you know, act religious, but when they go out there, they're living their lives defeated. The devil is whipping them. (laughs) Right? And there's no, there's no benefit in that. What you need to do is to come into a place like this and be empowered to win out there. In fact, that's the decision I made when I started pastoring. I, I made a deal with God. I said, God, you know, when I'm going there and I start pastoring, I'm going to continue to work myself out of a job as long as I'm in there. What I mean by that is that I will give you everything that you need to not need me. You know why? Because when it's 8 p.m., every single day, when it's 8 p.m., my wife and I decided we will not have a screen time two hours before we go to bed. So 8 p.m., the phone is off. Yeah, that's right. So if you are banking on the pastor to come lay hands on you, the phone will be going straight to voicemail. Yeah. What you need to do is to learn how to lay hands yeah. on yourself. Yeah. And this is what we are doing. Victory comes through our faith. Yeah, that's right. Amen. And once you learn how to walk in faith, guess what? You won't need the pastor. Because you can walk in your own faith and get the same results that the pastor is getting. Hallelujah. So we discovered that there were ingredients that would make our faith work. We discovered that the first ingredient is to receive and understand uh, the supremacy of the word of God. Amen. And we say number two, it is to understand that it is God's love that makes faith work. And number three, that we receive the grace of God through our faith. And number four, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And number five, that we release this faith through the words of our mouth. Amen. Now let us go to 2 Peter chapter number one, verse 16. Thank you, Jesus. We're still talking about the supremacy of God's word. Remember what Jesus said in John six sixty three. He said, the flesh profits nothing, but the words that I speak unto you, they are what? They are spirit and they are life. So the Bible is not ink and paper. The Bible is not a history book. Though the uh, uh, events recorded in the Bible historically are accurate, the Bible is not a history book. The Bible is a book filled with life. It's the only book in the world, and I'm an author, but it's the only book in the world that will impart life to its reader. My books won't do it. They will give you information. The Bible will literally impart life. Jesus put it this way in Mark chapter number 4. He said the, words of, the word of God is like seeds. So what you're holding in your hand is seed. It's not ink and paper. Amen? And when you approach it, that way you will begin to derive and draw the life out of it. Amen. He says in 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse 16, this is the Apostle Peter recounting the events at the Mount of Transfiguration. He says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eye witnesses of his majesty. For ye received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven... We heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So this is the apostle Peter, you know, recounting what happened. You remember the story? He went up with Jesus, uh, Peter, James, and John went up with Jesus at the mount of transfiguration. And while they were there, Jesus was transfigured. There was a supernatural occurrence that happened. Jesus was transfigured and the Bible said, His face began to shine like the sun and His clothes became as white as the light. It was such a profound transfiguration. Also Elijah and Moses appeared with him. You know, Moses representing the law and Elijah representing the prophets. And Jesus was there. And Peter got excited and he said, man, if it pleases you, let's build three shelters. One for Moses, uh, one for Elijah, and one for you. And Jesus said to him, we don't have to do that because the one that you're looking at is the one that's ushering in the dispensation you should be looking forward to. You should be not be looking to the law or the prophets. You should be looking to the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And he's standing right before you. And a voice came from heaven and it declared, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So Peter is saying, man, we saw this. We experienced this. Now watch what he said in verse 17. Verse 19 of the same uh, uh, verse. <clears throat> so this was glorious. How many of you realize that this was awesome? Now, the Apostle Peter says something crazy here in verse 19. And he says, and so we have the prophetic word. Let's go to the original uh, 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 King James Bible. I think it's better for you to actually get what he's saying there. Verse 19. In the original King James, please. Look at what he says. And he says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Unto which you do well that take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. What the apostle is saying is that after all that we experienced, We have a more sure word that's more real than what I experienced on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he's talking about the written word of God. The Apostle Peter is saying the written word of God is more sure than the manifestation at the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, this has to be your attitude if your faith is going to function as you approach God's word. I'll tell you, man, 95% of the body of Christ today, if I had two doors, one that says manifestations and another one that says uh, word of God, I'll tell you there will be a long line on manifestations because people don't realize manifestations are just transient. They're not, they're not permanent. They, they, you can't sustain tra- manifestations. Don't get me wrong. We need manifestations, but that's just dessert. It says signs and wonders will follow those who believe. It's just following. It's just an extra to confirm what? The foundation of the word of God. Without the word of God, man, if you start chasing after signs and wonders, you end up in error. Hallelujah. And you live the flaky life. You know, I was talking to Dillian, and she said, you know, I came back from preaching uh, all over Western Cape, and you know, she was concerned yesterday. She said, you know, the problem is I preach such a powerful word that if they acted on it, man, their lives would be radically changed. But after I preached, almost everyone that came in the prayer line was saying, but do you have a word for me? Man, I just gave you 30 minutes (laughs) of your word. But people are looking for something extra because they don't recognize the supremacy of God's word. Amen. Jesus said, these words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Listen, I get prophetic words all the time, but I don't live on prophetic words. I live on the foundation of God's word because that's what makes my faith function. And we have the whole body of Christ chasing after prophetic words. Say something that will tickle my ear. Say, tell me that I'm going to make it. Okay, let's find it in scripture. The Bible says, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. No, I don't want that. I want something, something else. When you go in the word of God and you can start prophesying to yourself. Yeah, that's right. Because it's a more sure word of prophecy than one man can give to you. What am I doing? I'm trying to draw you into a place where you recognize the supremacy of God's word. Where every time you read the word of God, you expect an impartation. Not when the man of God lays his hands on you. That's great and there's impartation in that. But you can get imparted as you read these words. They'll literally jump out and go into your heart and begin to produce a victorious life. Amen? I said, amen. Amen. So he says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Let's go now to Psalm 119 verse 89. Thank you, Jesus. The word of God is the source of all manifestations. Just get in the word. It says in Psalm 119 verse 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Did you see it? it? Says forever, for all generations, your word is already settled. Your word, your word is not up for discussion. In fact, the word of God is the ultimate truth. Amen. I know you know they've used this statement and almost made it carnal. Uh, you shall know the truth and the truth will. Uh, set you free they use it to describe events in their own life they say oh, you know what let me tell you the truth of and they're just gossiping there's nothing to it they just gossiping so let me tell you the truth and this truth will set you free and most of the time it makes you mad <laughs> when he says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free notice it didn't say you shall know a truth he says you shall know the truth And the truth is the word of God. It says when you know the truth, the word of God, it is the truth of the word of God that will set you free in all the areas of your life. And by knowing the truth, this is John 8, verse 32, if you're looking for it, by knowing the truth is not talking about regurgitating or having the ability to quote the scripture to someone else. See to a to a Greek mindset. Knowledge is apprenticeship. Knowledge is experiential. They don't believe you can fly the plane just because you can, you know, tell us what the equation is for gravity and the law of lift. They believe when you literally get in that bad boy and thrust the lift and take off. So to a a, a Jewish mind, when he says you shall know the truth, he's saying you shall experience the truth. And the truth that you experience or the truth that you walk in is the only truth that's able to set you free or thrust you into a place of freedom. Amen? Amen. Not the truth that you can quote. Because anybody can quote. In fact, our education system over here on this side of the world is so easy because all they want the kids to do is to cram and say it back to them in a test. To so a Jewish mind, they say, "Okay, you got that knowledge. Let's see how you apply." That's why the MBA is a totally different ball game, because all we are doing is case studies. Let's see if you can apply it to a real to real life drama. Let's see if you can apply this, because that's true knowledge, and that's the knowledge that will set you free. How do we know that? If you go back to verse thirty-one. Which is where the story begins. Because you cannot start, you know, a sentence with the word and. is a conjunction. It connects two thoughts. Amen? You can't start with the word and. So the story itself did not start in verse 32. He said, and you shall know the truth. But the end only comes after uh, verse 31. And this is what verse 31 said. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, continue in my word. There's a continuing in God's word. He says, if you continue in my word, if you continue renewing your mind to the gospel, if you continue in this truth of what Jesus did for you at the cross, if you continue that, not in religiosity, not in tradition, Remember what he said? He said the traditions of men make the gospel of none effect. You have to continue in the truth of the gospel. You have to continue reminding yourself and walking in the truth of the finished work of the cross. Amen? He says if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you are the ones I'm talking about. You are the ones that will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Amen? So it's the people that continue that get to know. Do you see it? It's the people that continue in God's word, that continue in the revelation of what Jesus did on the cross, that get to know. And when they know, they start living in the place of freedom. It's called the place of faith. And that's where God wants you and I to live in. In fact, he said it in Hebrews chapter number 4. We read last week that the same message preached to them did not profit them, not being mixed with uh, faith. And further on in that same chapter in verse 11, Hebrews 4 verse 11, he says something very powerful. He says, let us therefore labor to enter into the rest. The laboring part is the continuing part. It is the uh, reminding yourself, it is the renewing of the mind to tell yourself that Jesus already paid for this. I know it sounds like a contradiction. It sounds like an oxymoron. How do you labor to rest? All he's saying is your labor is your response to what God has already done for you. The labor part for you is just to respond. It's just to pick up the bed and walk. It's not to generate the power. Amen. I said amen. (laughs) Your labor is not to try and get yourself healed. Your labor is to just respond to the healing that Jesus provided for on the cross. Your labor is not to provide for your needs. Your labor is just to respond to what Jesus already did on the cross for your provision. And as you respond, guess what? Doors will begin. Your labor is to convince yourself that Jesus has already met all, all of your needs. In fact, that's the labor part. It takes place in your heart. You know, I remember last year when we went to uh, the Ethnos uh, conference, in fact, I was talking to Dillian and she said something very interesting to me. There's uh, some conference that's going to happen or whatever. It's, it's already happened. Uh, that, you know, the person who was organizing the conference ended up borrowing money to support the conference. And that's not a godly principle. You know why? Because you can't provide for what God has asked. It's like going to a party and paying for your own bill. I don't believe in that. I know they do that here. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. It violates all principles of life. If it's your party and you pick the restaurant and you invited me, your birthday, why should I be picking up the tab at your party? It was your idea. Amen. It's the same thing. When God throws the party, he gives you a vision, he also provides provision. You don't have to make it happen. All you have to do is to step in and God brings... but you have to convince yourself that he is going to do it. And I remember we we discovered that the people had voted that Johannesburg, particularly Faithful Church, was going to host uh, the global gathering for 2019. And immediately, I started thinking, how are we going to do that? And because it's Johannesburg in Africa... Everybody wants to come to Johannesburg in Africa. And we found out we were hosting 80 people from all over the world. From Portugal, from Argentina, from Brazil, from Mexico, from uh, the U.S., from England, from all over, from Greece. We're going to be hosting them in Johannesburg in 2019, this year in October. And the bill came up to about a a small 800,000 rand. A small 8, small lanyana. Because to God, to God it's small. It's a small tab. Amen? Now the labor part on my behalf was to convince me that God was going to provide for it because he came up with it. God will never ask you to pick up the tab when it's his party. That's 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 why he prepares a table before you. He prepares a table before you. He has already gone before you. All you are working with, laboring, is convincing yourself. And as I'm laboring and convincing myself, God has already started providing. And we have had partners not from uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, from all over the world. And I believe God visited them and already told them that they should be picking up the tab for this one. And guess what? God is already taking care of it in advance. And we don't have to pay a penny towards that. Man, that's a good story. That's a good deal. All you have to do is to convince yourself. And God will pick up the tab. Amen. And even in your personal life, you can begin to apply the same principles. know, I remember 2010, as my wife and I were getting ready to get married, uh, she said to me, you know what? I know God has called you to do this pastoring thing, and uh, I'm all for it. I want to support you. But you will not go full-time pastoring until you have at least secured our family home. Now, what that meant for me personally was because I was on a work permit at the time, it meant I needed to come up with a big deposit for the house. And I agreed to it, you know, and and I thought it was a noble idea. And she said the reason is because I don't want them church folk thinking we live well because of their money. And, man, I'm waiting. You know, I'm one of those pastors. I'm waiting for the day someone will come to me and say, you know, you live the good life because of the church money. First of all, I'll show them my salary. And second of all, I'll show them all the things that I've done uh, before becoming full-time pastor. And then we will see who the man is. (laughs) Listen, I'm waiting for that day. So I started praying and believing God for that. And it so happened that in the same year... In the same year, we needed to have a wedding. In the same year that, you know, we're trying to buy a house, we needed to have a wedding. In the same year, we needed to have our honeymoon, and we ended up going to New York and Miami. In the same year, we still need to raise about 30 or 40% uh, deposit for the bank to just consider us for a mortgage. And guess what? This is a big, big, big pressure coming your way. If you are the husband, the head of the house. (laughs) Amen. Amen? It's a big pressure. But guess what? The Bible says we can labor to enter into his rest. So guess what I I needed to do was to convince myself that God can provide. And guess what? As I did that, God began to open doors of opportunity that we did not expect. Amen? Amen? And before you know it, we already had the money. Up to today, I cannot explain how some of the money came into the account. And we had enough to put down a deposit so that I could go full-time in ministry. I only did that three or four years later. But guess what? We were secured, and God was positioning me for what was coming in the future. And guess what? All I needed to do was to labor with myself, renewing my mind, change the way I think so I can open my heart up to receive that which God has already prepared. And guess what? It all came, and we managed to secure the house. And God can do the same for you. He says, labor to enter into his rest. There is a rest that remains for God's people. But you have to labor. You have to convince your heart. It's called walking by faith. Amen. Amen. I said amen. Amen. And you will receive when you convince yourself. Praise God. Let us go now to Psalm 100 and Psalm uh, Isaiah 55, verse 10. Isaiah 55, verse 10. Thank you, Jesus. It says in verse 10, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, making it bare and sprout and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word which goes out of my mouth, it will not return to me Void. I'm reading in the Amplified. It will not return to me void, useless, or without result, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I send it. This is God speaking. He's saying, my word which I have released will not return unto me void. It will not return unto me without accomplishing that which I send it to do. Just like the instruction God embedded in a seed will not produce, will not just die without producing the fruit that is embedded on the inside of it, that's the same with God's word. When you start taking God's word as precious seed and put it in your heart and believe, leave it there. I think the, the problem with most people is they take God's word, put it in their heart, and dig it up to check if there's anything going on in there. In fact, Jesus said it like this. He said, so is the kingdom of God is as a sower who puts seed in the ground and he goes to sleep night and day and the seed should spring forth and bring forth and he knows not how. You will never understand how seed produces, but guess what? You can see the result of how seed produces. Amen? Amen? So your responsibility is to take the seed of God's word. And put it in your heart. That's your responsibility. And watch this. Keep it there. And as you do that, I'm telling you. I'm a living testimony. When I started living by faith, man, I'm telling you, things changed. I'm telling you. Now I enjoy life better. You know why? Because I know all I have to do is to put the seed of the word of God in my heart. And as you do that, God will begin to bring the seed forth into fruition. And you will begin to see the fruit in all the areas of your life. Like I said before, your your, your lifestyle will sell you out. It doesn't matter what you say. It's the lifestyle. It's the way you live. If you don't live by faith, man, you could talk a big game. But if you don't have fruit to back it up, your lifestyle will sell you out. It's amazing how people find out. (laughs) Like, but he's a cheater. He cheats on his wife. He preaches well, but this dude trippy. He's a cheater. Your lifestyle will sell you out. I'm telling you the truth. It don't matter what comes out of your mouth. It's your lifestyle. Because the fruit has to hang from the tree of your life. You can't be sick just like the rest of them and you know claim to believe that Jesus already paid for you, redeemed you from sickness. Your lifestyle will sell you out. So you better get with the program, plant the word of God in your heart and let it produce after its kind. And let this victorious life be a part of your story. Amen? And the way you do it is by approaching the word of God this way. Not as ink and paper. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 4. In fact, because we're out of time, let's go to Matthew chapter number 7. And we're going to read from verse 13 to 14 in the Message Bible. Matthew chapter number 7 from verse 13 to 14. This is Jesus speaking. This is going to blow your mind. This is awesome. I'm not even sure I should read this. Because after I read this, everyone is going to be accountable. You will know exactly where you're at and what to do. This is Jesus speaking. This is not Pastor T. This is Jesus. This is Jesus speaking. And this is what he says in verse 13. He says, don't look for shortcuts to God. And he says, the market is flooded with Sapphire. Easy-going formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. See, I told you this is a full-time job. It's not a spare time thing. The just shall live by faith. It takes a full commitment. See, a lot of people are trying to do Christianity in their spare time. No, this is a way of life. That's why Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. It's a way of life. It's a relationship that produces a way of life, a certain way of life. And even the unbelievers know this way of life. Have you ever noticed when you're just struggling and going through challenges and, you know, some, nothing seems to add up, and everyone looks at you, even the unbelievers, they say, but you are the Christian. It shouldn't be like this. You know why? Because they know Christianity is a way of life that produces a certain kind of fruit. Not in your spare time. Jesus is speaking. Don't fall for that stuff. Even though big crowds of people do. He knows there's a lot of people that follow that kind of life. He knows that. The way to life to God is what? Vigorous and it requires what? And it's gonna require some attention on your part. Pay attention to what? To what God has already done. Pay attention to the cross. You gotta keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. And it takes attention. You know why? Because there's a lot of distraction going on. There's a lot of stuff that's trying to draw your attention away from the cross. There's a lot that's going on, and you need to keep your eyes on. Jesus. Now, let's keep to verse 25. Let's go to verse 25 in the Message Bible of the same chapter. And Jesus begins to speak about the word again. And he says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words. Words to build a life on. So, again, your attitude towards God's word determines whether you're going to be victorious if God's word is suggestions I know a lot of people you know that come to my office and they already made up their mind about an issue and they're looking for counsel and the only counsel I'm going to give you is what the word of God says because I'm not clever I'm not smart I'm not you know I'm not uh, all of the above the only thing I know that works is the word of God amen And Jesus here is saying, the words that I speak unto you, they are not homeowner improvements. They are not additions. It's not the flower that you add to your house. No, this is the foundation. And when you don't look at the Bible as your foundation, this is why the world is going crazy about all kinds of stuff. Man, the Bible is the foundation for everything that we do. It's the foundation for my life it's the foundation for my marriage it's the foundation for the way we run this ministry it's the foundation for the way we run uh, our finances it's the foundation for the way we run life it's the bible it's the life manual it's the foundation we don't approach it as a collection of opinions you know this I'm going to do this I'm not going to do in fact it's it's strange there are some people who approach the bible like okay I like this about healing I don't like that about finances I like this man you, you, These words are not incidental additions. These are foundational truths. Amen? What should you do? Jesus begins to tell you what you should do. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. Man, the time to build your house and to build a solid foundation is now before the storm comes. Amen? A lot of people panic and they try to go and get the wood and, you know, start building when the storm is hit. It's too late. The only time is to do it now. And when you build your life on Jesus' words, when you build your life on His words, nothing will move. Nothing will be destroyed. Now watch what happened on the flip side. <clears throat> Verse 26. But if, ju- if you just use my words in Bible studies, if you're just religious and full of Christianese, did you see the difference? He said if you can work these words into your life or if you can talk these words in Bible studies, This is why Bible study is not a debate session. Bible study is a session where we are incorporating the words from the Bible study into our lifeline. When I found this out, man, I stopped debating. Because it doesn't matter what I say, it doesn't matter what you say. What really matters is what I incorporate into my life. Because that's what's going to determine whether I live victoriously or not. Do you see it? He said, if you just use my words in Bible studies. So he's talking to people who even go to Bible studies. You know, most of the time we think the house that fell down belonged to an unbeliever. No, this this cat was dedicated. Okay, there are some who don't even go to Bible studies. That's another story for another day. But here, he's talking to people who just use his words for Bible studies and don't work them into their life. He said, you're like a what? I didn't hear that. You're like a what? He said, you're like a stupid carpenter who will build this house on the sandy beach. When? Someone say when. When? Notice he didn't say if. He says when. What that means is the storm is coming. For all of us. As long as you're on this one, you're going to have life challenges. Amen? He says, when the storm rolled in and the waves came up, what happened? It collapsed like a house of cards. Next verse. When Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into an applause. They had never heard a teaching like this. It was apparent that he was what? I didn't hear that. That's the key. That's what makes every sermon powerful. It was apparent that he was what? He was leaving everything that he was saying. Before you try to teach it to someone else. What was his name? Saul? If the armor was so effective, how come it didn't work on you? He was trying to put his armor on David. (laughs) So what we are constantly looking for is fruit. We're looking for fruit. We're looking for fruit. We're looking for fruit. We're looking for fruit. I would rather have someone who has zero eloquence, but they can show some fruit. You know why? Because I can learn from them. Yep. It was apparent he was leaving everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to their religious teachers. This was the what? Best teaching they had ever heard. The teaching about working the words of God into your life child of God I'm telling you the faith life is available for all of us the victorious life is available for all of us and it is s-i-m-p-l-e it is simple all you have to do is to start incorporating the words of the master the words of Jesus into your life it's not works It's incorporating and making adjustments. As you do that, you begin to tap into his grace. And you begin to live a victorious life. Was that good? Let's stand on our feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for you are a good God. Lord, we thank you for every word that you speak is spirit and it is life. And so, Lord, we thank you that this morning you've changed our attitudes towards your word. Lord, I thank you that our attitudes have shifted. As we approach your word, as we approach the Bible, we are not reading uh, a book uh, of rules and regulations, but we are reading and deriving life and getting life imparted to us. We are reading from a collection of seeds. That we can plant into the garden of our hearts and produce to some 30, to some 60, and to some 100 fold. Lord, I thank you that from today onwards, our hearts' attitude towards your word has changed. Father, I thank you that we look at the Bible with an attitude that this is the word from God. This is... An email from God. This is an SMS from God directly to me. Lord, I thank you that as we receive these life instructions, we will begin to tap into your grace for provision. We will begin to tap into your grace for healing. We will begin to tap into your grace for peace. We will begin to tap into your grace for a victorious life of faith. Father, I thank you. That every single individual under the sound of my voice will build as the wise carpenter working your word into their life. Lord, I thank you that as they do that, they will begin to see the results, the fruit, the victorious, glorious results. Lord, I thank you that none under my, my voice will live a life of defeat. None under my voice will live a life of weakness and failure. But Father, that these, your precious sheep, will begin to live a life of victory and fruit and show the world what the Christian lifestyle looks like, the life of victory in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you and we give you all the praise. It is in Jesus' name that we pray and everyone said amen and amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, Visit faithhill.tv today.